0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we will be continuing our Most Creative Playmakers series, which we have covered over the past couple of episodes. If you haven't checked those out, be sure to hear a little bit more about what makes guys like Jumbo Joe Thornton, Nick Backstrom, and more very special players. We'll be diving into a few more players like that this evening, but before then, I was in a little bit of a foul mood this weekend after playing some very bad FIFA, and so I thought, you know what, let's have a more positive episode. And one thing I thought would be fun to talk about is what exactly we can expect or look forward to from the Winnipeg Jets next season. I've talked about it in very broad terms, talking about, you know, some of the pluses and minuses of what we might see from the Jets, but I thought... In the spirit of positive thinking and vibes, here are some of the things that I think would be very good and beneficial for the Jets to kind of go through next season and what we might see or expect from some of our, our recent arrivals, some of our brand new prospects, and perhaps a slightly revamped defense. But first things first, one thing that I do expect to return is very good goaltending. I think that the Jets are probably going to have a really nice return performance from Connor Hellebuck. I don't expect him to be like Vesna caliber again. If he is, I mean, the Jets are going to be very pleased with that, obviously. But even if he's not quite as good as he was last season, I feel like he's still going to be pretty darn good. And I think that that is, for the most part, good enough when it comes to what you're looking for from winnipeg the problem is that good enough for the jets is going to be a bit of an issue if their defense is leaky but you know on a related note i do think winnipeg's defense is actually going to be significantly better in this upcoming season it was pretty bad before and i feel like at this point it can only go up in a way we're likely to see a number of i guess you can call them fresh arrivals in the form of dylan sandberg and hopefully a return to action for Ville heinela i feel like Ville heinela is one of those guys who people aren't really talking about that much which is very interesting to me for me, Heinola might be the best defensive prospect no one's really talking about, which is very strange, and I know it, you know, partially may have to do with the fact that he actually has played a couple of NHL games, but I think in many respects he still is a prospect, he's still overseas, until recently he was playing in Liga, although I don't know how that's going to work if they continue to have suspended operations. But over the past year or so, he's been bossing it when he's been playing in Liga, uh, and, and just really doing a great job, and this season hasn't been any different, and he's also adding additional point scoring to a already pretty nice performance. I I think he brings a really high IQ level of play and I think that his approach is going to be a perfect fit for what the Jets need especially in their top four. You know Josh Morrissey is doing his best Dylan DeMello is trying his hardest, but those two really can't carry the entire defensive load. They do need a couple of top four guys who are smarter on the defensive side of things, and I think that's what we're going to see with the Jets when they get Heinola back. Of course, we know that Heinola might actually have some pretty decent offensive upside, but, you know, we'll, we'll start with the basics first, and I think what we want from him mostly is good spatial awareness, really good defensive marking, and the offensive stuff is going to be more of a nice side benefit, although I think that that is actually a bigger part of his game than people were expecting. He's a really good passer, and he showed some really sharp offensive instincts. I think he'll continue to do that once he hits the NHL again, but for now, we'll measure expectations just a little bit. The other difference maker I do expect to make a huge impact is Dylan Sandberg. I think Sandberg is one of those guys who doesn't really have, like, a lot of really high-end flashy traits, but what he does have is a really solid foundation and a big, hulking physical presence inside his own defensive area. While he may not exactly have the, the IQ and the puck handling of somebody like Vili Heinola, I think what he does bring is a very old-fashioned form of defense that the Jets are currently lacking, and he's very, you know, hard-nosed, hard-tackle, but I think he does it in a smart way. I think that's kind of what separates him from somebody like, I don't know, Eric or or some of these other, you know, third-pairing or depth defenders who aren't really that good. I think that you know, Sandberg has the kind of upside and smarts to actually be notably better than those players, and he's going to be pretty good on the puck, too. He's somebody who was a very big creator for part of Minnesota's offense, so all in all, I think he'll be an impact player. He will probably take a bit more time than some of the other defenders and prospects to get up to speed, but I wouldn't be surprised if he earns his way onto the second pairing eventually. While the Jets will have a couple of new arrivals on the back end, one familiar face is making a return at center on the second line most likely, and that is Paul Stastny. Stastny is a huge need for this Jets because, to be honest, Winnipeg hasn't really had a second-line center since he departed, and unfortunately, Brian Little's injury is very much of the career-ending sort. So, I don't really know exactly what the long-term plan is beyond Cole Perfetti. I, I think that the Jets probably need to prepare a couple of different options, but I expect Paul Stastny to fit like a glove as soon as he arrives. I think he's already got comfort with the way that Paul Maurice likes to play, He's played alongside Patrick Laine before, and I think that that sort of familiarity and comfort will make the transition back to, to playing for the Jets pretty easy. You know, Stastny's a very smart player. He's actually a very gifted distributor. He's got good vision, pretty decent skating. If I could compare like a football analogy, I would compare him almost to like a holdup center forward, somebody who can play up top and can create space, but also knows when to be patient and lay it off for somebody else. He gets into those very soft areas near the net, but he's primarily involved with being like an offensive catalyst and distributor. I expect him to come back and really help out this Jets 5v5 offense and power play, both of which have been a little bit stagnant since he left. The final thing that I'm looking forward to that is not named Cole Perfetti is just an all-around improved offense and defense for this Winnipeg team. Last year was pretty tragic. I I think the way Maurice tried to coach the team, understanding that the, uh, the talent was limited, was really just not good enough. A lot of it was because Maurice just didn't seem to trust his backline and some of his forwards to handle a lot of defensive duties, and so he had everyone sort of compress and compact, which in football tends to work for a lot of low-talented teams. But with the Jets, you actually need to stretch the ice and get them up and at a higher tempo because they can't really bunker down. The Jets aren't a squad that can do that kind of style of hockey, and so I think it's very important for them to kind of dial up the tempo next season, and I expect to see not necessarily a return to the 2017-18 season, but something at least a little bit closer to that than what we saw last year, which was... A team that was basically a lottery squad. I don't know if I'm going to expect a whole lot from next year's team if we even have a season, but you know what? I'm going to err on the side of positivity and say they probably will win a couple more games. Well, I guess if you prorate the, uh, the, the season to like a full regular season, because it's probably going to be shorter. Hopefully, these positive vibes have you thinking good thoughts about the Jets before inevitably something very annoying or frustrating happens and we all get angry online about the Jets again. But one thing that you can never really get angry about is watching some Of the most creative playmakers in world hockey. And up next, we'll take a look at some of the top playmakers for the Ottawa Senators. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Built Go. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of Built's product line. I love their Built bars, which are protein bars with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior, so they're more like a candy bar. Built's Wizards are back at it again, though, with a brand new product, Built Go. When I wake up every morning, I always face a lot of walls holding me back from productivity, and that's why I turn to Built Go to break down those walls and kick him down. With force. Bilko comes in convenient 1.5 ounce packages that you can stuff in your backpack, your briefcase, or whatever else you need so you have long lasting energy all day in a convenient package. It travels wherever you need to go. It's the healthy, all natural alternative to the sugary energy drinks and gives you the same 5 hour energy boost without any of the crash. Bilko comes in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's fortified with protein, beta-alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, B6, and B12, so you have long-lasting energy all day to keep breaking down those walls. To get started, visit bilco.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilco.com. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are continuing our Creative Playmaker series, which actually upcoming this week, we'll be covering a few more teams for our Creative Playmaker series. So be sure to keep an eye out throughout the week for new episodes and new content covering some of the best teams in the NHL and their most creative playmaking forwards, or occasionally defenders. And speaking of creative playmaking defenders, one such team, the Ottawa Senators, doesn't exactly have a whole lot of playmaking talent, but one of their most creative players plays on their blue line, and that is Thomas Shabbat. Now, Shabbat is one of those players that's very interesting because he plays a a style of game that I think I personally love because he has all of the physical traits, the size, the beautiful effortless edge work, the sharp offensive instincts, great shot, great vision, and great distribution. He just has all of these things that make him such a dangerous back-end threat. He's one of the most creative defenders out there, and he's very good at facilitating zone exits, zone entries, offensive zone possession, 5v5 play, uh, power play creation. I mean, this guy just does it all, and I think he actually does a little bit too much for the Sun sometimes. A lot of what happens for Ottawa's limited you know, skating team tends to ride through his stick. Oftentimes, he's had to carry a huge offensive and defensive load for that team because, to be honest, they just don't have many NHL-caliber skaters anymore. They had a couple before, but now a lot of those players have moved on to different teams, and so this upcoming season, I think, is going to be very difficult for him. As good as he is, I think it's probably a lot to ask him to be, you know, most of Ottawa's clear 5v5 and 5v4 offense, as well as any sort of penalty killing that he's going to be asked to do. He is one of those rare skaters that, that is sizable, but really smart about how he uses his size size He's an excellent skater. He's got a great top stride, really good acceleration, great balance, and I think he's got really strong agility, which makes him a, a really dangerous, really smart player in space. Because he has those little bit of lateral edge work pieces that you really need to kind of open up and find better opportunities and shift position to open up your teammates and yourself for good shooting opportunities, Shabbat just has the extra level to his game that makes him such a dynamic back-end offensive threat. He has all the natural gifts you want, as well as all of the really hard-trained, hard work characteristics you'd expect from somebody who has dedicated his life to hockey. While the Sens may rely a lot on Shabbat, he's not the only creative playmaker they have. I think another guy that tends to go under the radar is Brady Tuchuk, and Tuchuk is another interesting player because I think when people saw him enter the league, they had a lot of interesting expectations for what he might become. He is kind of a power forward in a lot of ways, and I think people were thinking, well, maybe this is Matthew Tkachuk 2.0. I honestly think Brady is a little bit different in his approach. He's not quite as pesky. He is very strong and physical, but his main objective just seems to be getting the puck towards the net in any way possible. I think it's easy to look at his point totals over the past season and think, well, you know, maybe he's not quite as good as his brother. You know, he's only got 40 points or so in about 70 games, but When you actually look at the rest of the roster, he's their top scorer, and he's very good at scoring even strength goals. In fact, most of his goals have come at even strength and he's also been a major factor on a lot of his teammates' goals. To be honest, Ottawa just doesn't score that much, and so I think a lot of what happens is often coming through Shabbat and Chachkin, and informally, I guess, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. That team just doesn't have a whole lot of attacking depth up front and on the back end, so Brady and Shabbat have had to really carry a lot of the load, and I think Brady is super underrated. He's not really like his brother. I mean, he is very physical, and he does occasionally scrap a bit, but I think what sets him apart is the fact that he's just very relentless as a a puck hound, especially around the net. Brady is somebody who kind of likes to bully his way to the crease and create chaos and havoc, especially down low, and I think that this is a unique trait for a guy who has as much skill as he does. He's a pretty decent skater, he's got pretty decent acceleration, solid stick handling and vision, but when you look at the rest of his tool sets, I think it's interesting because he's not somebody who has, like, a lot of really franchise-defining kinds of traits that you'd expect. Like, he's not like a Nikolai Ehlers with effortless skating, or a Patrick Lane with a booming shot. What he does have is, again, a really strong foundation married to an extremely strong physical frame, and I think in a lot of ways his hockey IQ might be a bit underappreciated. Because he's so smart about where he needs to position himself, especially around the net and how to use his body to his advantage, he's just an absolute menace and he creates a wealth of offense anytime he's near the opposing net. When he's on the ice, he can really shift the tide, and whether he's bullying his way to the crease and trying to create havoc there or setting up his teammates for a nice tap-in, he's almost something of a creator by just trying to go for the net himself. A lot of people have sometimes struggled with figuring out the best way to describe his game, and it's very—it's a little bit difficult because he's not a, a kind of player where you watch him and think, yeah, this guy is like super elite. And yet the way that he's so consistent in his offensive creation and his direct approach almost makes him very special because he's so direct and so aggressive and so good at what he does. If his approach didn't create a whole lot of results, I'm sure people would be skewering him, but Brady is just an absolute force to be reckoned with, and admittedly somebody that I didn't think the world of when he was drafted, I thought that he would be a good quality top 6 or maybe top 9 forward, but I didn't really expect him to be a lead first line winger, and yet that's exactly what he is. His playmaking ability derives from just how direct and how physical he can be, and it's it's really married to some excellent hand-eye coordination and great spatial awareness. I think he's a much smarter player than people realize, and, and to. Chuck Is just a menace because he's so persistent in trying to find a way to score a goal. You love to see these really industrious offensive catalysts, and that's kind of how I I see Tuchuk's game somebody who's just an absolute siege engine of offensive threat. Speaking of siege engines of offense, up next we'll take a look at some of the top creators for the Pittsburgh Penguins, which you probably know at least some of them, but there are a couple of guys who are maybe a little bit underappreciated. Before them though, I thought you should hear about Built Bar's relaunch. Earlier in the podcast, you might have heard me espouse the greatness that is the Built Bar, and if you don't remember, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie, but if you can't decide, be sure to check out the variety box so you can Enjoy the best of both worlds. Like any great brand, though, Bilt knows that it's always needing to innovate and push the boundaries, and they're back and better than ever with six brand new flavors. Joining the family of flavor includes caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barsia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as those flavors taste, Bilt bars are even better for you, with most coming in at 200 calories or less, between 15 and 19 grams of protein, and around 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. If all of that sounds delicious, then head on over to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget to use promo code On at checkout for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We have been talking about some of the world's most creative ice hockey playmakers, and there are a few from multiple teams that are often talked about, but maybe not quite fully appreciated. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins, I tend to think that guys like Evgeny Malkin are maybe a little bit underappreciated. Malkin, in his prime, was a very physical, very dominating two-way center who also had, frankly, extremely gifted hands. This guy could score amazing goals, set up his line mates for great scoring opportunities, find spaces and gaps where defenders really couldn't cover or stop him, and bulldoze his way to the net. Malkin, I think, might be Pittsburgh's most underappreciated, kind of almost Hall of Fame caliber player. I don't know if he actually will make the Hall of Fame, but Malkin for many years was often riding behind Crosby's shadow. There are genuinely moments where it's arguable Malkin might have actually been outplaying Crosby when Crosby was in the lineup, because Evgeny just seems to be such a really smooth operator with incredible strength, a pesky style that seems to piss everyone off, and delete offensive instincts. He, in many ways, is what I think and Byfield could be at Byfield's eventual peak. If, if Byfield is ever to reach his full ceiling, he has a couple of things he needs to work on, but generally speaking, I think he's got some of the same traits and characteristics of what Malkin was in his prime. For teams who will eventually play Byfield at his best in a couple of seasons, that should be very terrifying. Malkin is a franchise level playmaker, an elite space creator, a dominant two-way center, and somebody who just knew how to get the puck to the net no matter what it took. Crosby, for his part, is of course one of the greatest playmakers and hockey players of all time. He has elite, Or Well, I guess Elite's probably not saying enough. I would say almost generational hand-eye coordination, offensive awareness, spatial awareness, edge work, freakish upper body strength, and almost an undying will to create offense. He and Malkin were two of the most important pivots, driving a a really bustling Pittsburgh offense that you really couldn't stop, especially when those two were at full strength and at full health. Because they were so good, you often saw lots of wingers playing with these guys, and one of the guys who maybe didn't get as much appreciation for how good he is is Brian Rust. I've talked about Rust before as somebody who's an excellent even-strength goal scorer, but Rust just seems to be an absolute hound for creating offense, especially when he's trying to drive towards the net. There aren't too many wingers that I can class as guys who are, you know, both depth players in in really good squads and also players who are just great top nine or top six creators in their own right when they're given the chance to run with it. Rust is that guy, and I often think about his on-ice impact as something that's akin to, like, a Matthew Perot. These guys are space creators because they're so good at getting towards the net, using really shifty lateral skating, good hands, good vision and a spark of creativity to create attacking routes in and around the net for their teammates. Rust is also somebody who's just good at putting it in the net for himself, but obviously the way that he plays creates a lot of rebound opportunities for his linemates. It's kind of crazy that Brian has gone under the radar for as long as he has because he's been consistently producing for the Penguins for the past several seasons now, and over the past year or so, he's gotten an elevated role and a chance to really prove that he is, in fact, somebody who deserves a lot more credit as being potentially like a second-line winger. He's not a super huge guy, but he's really fast, he's very smart, and he plays a style of game that I think consistently creates offense and wears down defenders. I love these kinds of guys who are very scrappy, but very skilled and smart with how they use the puck to their advantage and their size, and I think that that's something that Rust has done very well throughout his entire career. The Penguins have a lot of really great players, and it's clear that guys like Crosby and Malkin were at the focal point of this offense for the past decade and a half now. But it's really important to keep in mind that some of the guys that have played alongside them have actually been really good in their own rights, even if occasionally their stardom is a bit hidden behind some of the top talents in the game. Be sure to let me know if you guys think I've missed any of Pittsburgh's outstanding playmakers or playmakers from another team that you maybe want me to cover in another episode. Let me know at HLLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. And before you lock off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast every Monday, hosted by Sir Avampato for news from around the league so you never miss a beat. As always, thank you so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!